Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to James, the book of James. Again, if you're a visitor here, we want to welcome you. Let's just welcome all our visitors. It's so good to see everyone. First service is, is, uh, is, is a great service to get to. It's early. You get to, get to get in here. And some of you just stick around for a second. We love it. Um, let's look at James as we get into our third sermon on our marriage sermon series. Now, I wrote a Bible study on uh, the book of James and uh, some years ago, and I subtitled it, um, you know, pretty simple subtitle, Grow Up. Everybody say, Grow Up. Now, when we talk about marriage, let me just say this, okay? <laughs> if you're not an adult, marriage is not for you. Hello, somebody. And adulthood has nothing to do with how old you are. Let's look at James. Chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brethren, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Words have tremendous power. Come on, married people. Today we're going to talk about communication. Words have tremendous power. A lot of times, even when we get into premarital counseling and we sit down with people, communication is one of the topics we talk about. It's one of the things my wife and I really look at. How well does this couple communicate? And, um, you know, you really know how well you communicate when you're able to communicate during times of conflict. You really know how poor your communication skills are when conflict happens. And so, how many of you know that, well, every married person in this room knows that conflict's gonna happen. And I just wanna say this to you, I I say this again every year when my wife and I put these sermons together for our sermon series. We wanna say right up from the bat, we we present to you uh, what we feel the Lord has presented to us, not as masters, but as people who, who are still learning and walking in it, right? We haven't mastered this. And I've always said that God never allows me to preach a sermon that he doesn't also require me to live. And so I just need you to understand that as I present a message to you as married people this week on communication, I have had to learn this week that sometimes I don't do that very well with my wife. Why are you laughing? You know when you're tired, when you're overwhelmed, when you're consumed, when you're stressed? You, you often don't communicate very well. Amen. You see, she often has her biggest amens, right? Someone even told us last week, we want Lisa mic'd up for every sermon from now on. You know how in, in sports they mic up the quarterback or something like that, right? Like, yeah, there we go. No, not happening. Words have tremendous power. Say amen. Amen. 
Now you get the notes. You can either get them on the U version. You can get them on uh, our, our church app. You can get them a lot of different ways. Today at the end of the notes, you're going to notice there's some homework. Everybody say homework. homework. Now see, this is the key because a lot of people don't want to work, but they want to have a good marriage. Okay, and uh, you know, let, let me just say this. Homework is key. I'm going I'm to say this to every young lady who's not married in this church this morning. This is not in my notes. I'm just, I feel the spirit of the Lord. If there is a guy who comes up to you and asks you out on a date, here's the first question I want you to ask him, young ladies. Have you turned in all your homework? Ask him. If he has not turned in all his homework, he is lazy. And if he can't be responsible enough to turn in his homework, how in the world do you think he's going to be responsible enough to take care of you? Tell him, if he hasn't turned in his homework, come back and see me when you get it all in. If you got missing assignments at school, come back and see. Motivate him. See how hard he wants to work for you. It's not difficult. All right, I'm back here. Words have tremendous power. I'm going to talk about communication because it's the third in the four tools that I'm presenting to you. And I think it's a very important building block in, in maximum marriage. And it's something that we never master, but it is something that we continue to perfect as we grow in our marriage. You know, communication isn't just talking. Somebody say amen. It's being able to hear the heart of what's being said. Uh, it's an incredible thing. And I often say that, you know, uh, men speak with blue megaphones and women hear with pink hearing aids. They're not synced. And without good communication, you know as well as I do that your marriage does not stand a chance. It's the complaint we hear often. We can't talk. We don't communicate. He doesn't talk anymore. I can't understand what she's... All the time we hear this. But see, communication is how people exchange their feelings. It's how, it's how they exchange their thoughts. It's how they try to understand one another. And you're going to have to have good communication in your marriage. And one, one key to start to learn to have good communication in your marriage is this. You've got to understand that there's a difference between men and women. I, that's a revelation. You can write it down. You can tweet it. You can exit. You can Snapchat it, chapstick it. I don't care whatever it is they show to me. Listen, men and women are different. In a lot of ways, but especially in the ways we communicate. I see Doug in the foyer. I go up to Doug. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Great. I'll talk to you later. We're out of there. My wife sees Lynette in the foyer. I see them over there talking. I said, hey, I saw you talking to Lynette in the foyer this week. How's she doing? Oh, you're not going to believe what happened. She was out shopping this week, and she finally found a pair of shoes that matched that purse of hers. And then in the middle of that, she found a new dress. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like she's, got a, she's flying a plane, and she got to circle the airport 500 times before she comes to a landing. How's Lynette? Oh, she's good. How's Doug? He's good. What did you guys talk about? Nothing. <laughs> what do you mean? I saw you talking to him. I asked him how he was. He said he was good. He asked me how I was. He said he was good. I got the report. I'm great. That's all I want is the report. Yeah. <laughs> we are different. Males want to share facts. 
Women's want to share the experience. I Listen, I, you guys know I love my kids. I love my daughter. I, and I've told Holly this plenty of times. My daughter will call me and I cannot answer the phone if I don't have 45 minutes. I love her. I don't know where she went. She went somewhere. But I, I've literally said this. I, I don't have time. I want to talk to her, but I've got to have 45 minutes. No, all the time. I'm going to start taking screenshots. But see, she loves to talk to her dad. And guess what? I got to listen. And all she wants to tell me about is the experience. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife and my daughter can be together all day long. All the things, right? And, and my wife will get home and I'll need some answers to a couple of questions. And I'll go, hey, did you, what, did you get this answer from Lynn? No. Did you, I need this. Do you know what's happening here? What time is it? I don't know. You were together all day. What did you talk about? The experience. I need the report. Y'all don't believe me. Y'all don't believe this works. Let me show you this. Males want facts. Females want the experience. Watch. Men build relationship by doing things. Uh, come on, man. Say yes. We build relationships by fishing. We build relationships by golfing. We build, we build relationships by hunting. We build relationships by doing things. That's what we do. Women build relationships from touch and from the expressive emotions, from talking. So when the wife tells her husband that she wants to be more intimate in their relationship, you know what the husband says? Great, let's go fishing. Let's go. I'm up. Just go. Let's go. Let's go fishing. Let's go golf. Let's go watch a movie. Let's, let's go do something then. No. She wants to talk. My wife and I, my, we would like to fly. I would like to fly, get to a destination. My parents live a thousand miles away. Let's just fly, get there. We've we got more time. To, no, my wife wants to drive. She wants to drive 16 hours in a car. And I'm like, why? Because that's the only time I get you alone to talk. Okay, great. So we're in a car and we're driving along. And, you know, we're listening to the radio. Nobody said anything to either of us for an hour. No one, neither one of us have been talking for an hour. We're just cruising down the road. I'm listening to talk radio, you know. And we're going down there. I promise you, this is a true story. I'm not exaggerating this a bit. And my wife, it's silent in the car for an hour. My wife looks over at me and she says, how come you're not talking to me? I don't dare say, well, you weren't talking to me either. It's my fault that we're not talking. And I, you know, I did say that and that was a mistake. Don't do that. Why is it my fault we're not talking? You weren't talking to me either. I was fine. So there's something going on on the side of the road, some construction or whatever, and we drove by it. And my wife, my wife, she said this. She says, she says this. This is a true story. What do you think is going on over there? So I, I looked at it. I saw it. And so I started telling her everything that was happening. I mean, we were having a 30-minute conversation down the road past what was going on. And I was explaining to her all the things that were happening. You guys know where I'm going, right? Yeah, because they've heard this. Some of my premarital people heard this story. And so for years, this would happen. 
We'd be driving along and they used to go, what are they doing over there? And man, I would just say, you know this, that over there, this is what's going on. And, and when they get done, that's what it's going to be. And all these things are going to happen. Years, this would happen. She'd be satisfied because we talked to and we're driving down the road, you know. And a little bit later, I get to turn talk radio back on, sports radio. I get to hear about all the things because I had an hour conversation with my wife about something that was happening an hour back. So one year we're doing this and the exact same thing happened and, and we, get down, we get down the road 30 minutes, right? Uh, you know, and the conversation's over and it's silent for about 10 minutes. This has happened for years. She reaches over and turns the radio off. And she looks at me and she goes, you made that up. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just smiled. She said, you have no idea what was going on back there. <laughs> and I promise you, I almost had to pull the car off the side of the road. I started laughing so hard. I was like, I have no idea what they were doing back there. I just made the whole thing up. I didn't know what you wanted to talk. So we talked. She turns the radio back on. I kid you not. We get down the road another 30 minutes. She turns the radio back over. She looks at me and she goes, you've always made it up. <laughs> yes. I have no idea. I'm just telling you right now, Elon Musk would have been impressed with what I was building in my mind all those years. was true look at her we communicate with words and words have tremendous power can you say amen yeah. and we've been on the good side of that and the bad side of that and oftentimes in the marriage after a while it's more bad side than good side somebody say amen because our words heal they they hurt sometimes they tear down but really God has called us to use our words to build up and I believe the Bible has a lot a lot to say about words why because they matter they matter. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Yeah. Not only do present, pleasant words bring healing to the bones, but you know what they do? They bring healing and health to marriage. Yeah. We've got to be careful what kind of words we use. Hello, somebody. Because we use them all the time. The average man has 10,000 words a day to spend. That's it. The average woman has about 20,000 words a day to spend. Now, there's the wrestling. Because the husband comes home from work and he spent 9,995 of his 10,000 words. And so what he wants to do is just grunt his way through the evening because he only got five words left. And he's kind of like, he's, he's like uh, Joe Friday from Dragnet. Some of y'all got it. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. The wife's only spent 10,000 of her words. She got 10,000 more. And so what she has to do is she's got to circle the plane around the airport for three hours before she can land. <laughs> we see the struggle. This leaves feel, husbands feeling, listen, this leaves husbands feeling overwhelmed and women feeling unfulfilled. Yeah. Just say Amen. I'm trying to help you. 
The common complaint is this. He won't talk to me. We can't talk. We don't talk anymore. Now we have a conflict. Now we have a conflict. But sometimes good communication actually causes conflict. Because there's stages to communication. First, there's that honeymoon stage where you're very careful with your words. You want to make sure that you're being a blessing and you don't want to offend your spouse and all those things. Then second, there's the intimacy stage where you learn over time through trial and error how to talk about your hurts, your feelings, and your disappointments. So conflict, I believe, is actually a door to intimacy. Y'all not helping me. See, real intimacy happens when you become free to share your deepest feelings and know your spouse is going to treat you with honor. One of the tools. Listen, if you never talk about the things that cause conflict in your marriage, you'll never experience true intimacy. Some of the most intimate conversations my wife and I have had come immediately after a very serious conflict. And it often opens the door to a deeper relationship. Because we're dealing with things that are on the inside of who we are. My wife has literally said to me, you stand up every week and communicate. Why are we having trouble communicating? And I'm like, you got to change the color of your hearing aids. They're pink and I'm speaking blue. She's like, why is that my responsibility? Hello, so you see how this goes. Conflict open, and that's where we begin to experience the maximum in marriage. I can literally say this. I'm not afraid to talk to my wife about anything. That doesn't mean uh, I don't anticipate her reaction. Most of the time I know how she's going to react. Even in the bad things that I've got to say, I know she ain't going to like this. But see, I know there's also not going to be any dishonor or disrespect or devaluing in that conversation. She might not be happy for a moment, but I know also that she doesn't have an easy out button. She's not looking to push a button to get out. So we can have this conversation. Now, gentlemen, let me tell you something. There is a week during the month that at my house we call chocolate week. Some of y'all got it. Now, this is Sunday morning. This is in church. Y'all just, hey, I told you I'm not that kind of preacher just going to blow smoke. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you are not smart enough to know, see, that, that time of the month, my wife really craves chocolate. So we, we, we call that chocolate week at my house. And that is not the time to talk about certain things. And if you do that, Listen, man, and you get bit, that's on you. Let me call him Pastor Don. Just go buy a chocolate milkshake from McDonald's, right? And take it home and go, I'm sorry, it's better than a bouquet of flowers, I promise you. You got to be smart. Wives, the same way, you can't help your emotions. You can't help your hormones during that week. It's not your fault. That's, it's not. And I know you wrestle with that. I know you struggle, and sometimes you feel very condemned about that in that moment. Listen, you just have to be smart. And my wife and I will often say, this is not a good week to talk about this. Hello, somebody. Why? Because we know neither one of us are going to be rational. No matter how 
how you communicate with your spouse, your marriage will never be perfect. Can I bless you out? Can I just tell you this morning, I'm going to give you a gift this morning. All those smiling couples you saw walk in here today, they fight just like you do. What is communication? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. See, in communication, what we do is we, we seek to change what can be altered. We, we try to explain what can be understood. We resolve what can be settled, and we negotiate what's open to compromise. That's communication. It doesn't matter if it's in your marriage or anywhere else in life. That's communication. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Communication's got to include some listening. And I think that the way you listen and respond to your spouse determines whether you actually help or hurt your own marriage. The way you respond, it can either put distance between you or it can draw you closer together. Somebody say amen. Always remember this. You earn the right to be heard by listening. Ephesians 4.15, but speak the truth in love it may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Proverbs 15.1, let no corruption, corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, uh, for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Let me say this to you in this room, and this is why this ministry focuses on once a year doing a marriage sermon series on Sunday mornings. It might not be the most dynamic preaching that you've ever heard in your life, but I promise you, when you understand that the marriage relationship is the most significant of all human relationships, this is where we need to be talking about this. And the church does a poor job talking about it. Why? Because we want, the, we want the fluff. We want the emotions. We want everything to push. We want the preacher to get excited. We want somebody to stir us. And this kind of stuff can bore us. Well, don't call me if you were bored in church when your marriage is falling apart because you can't communicate. You know, someone once came up to me and said, you know what, Pastor Don, I just, I, you know, I'm struggling in my church. I just don't know. I'm just not being fed. I'm just not being fed. It's the pastor's fault. It's the church's fault. I'm not being fed. You know what I looked at them and said? Show me your notes from last Sunday's sermon. Well, I don't have any. Doug, give me that book. Nancy, give me that book. These are, these are two of our founding elders. Do you know they get the sermon notes every week? They don't have to take notes. But for 20 years, Doug and Nancy have sat on the front row of this church and taken notes on every one of my sermons. Do you know for 20 years, Doug and Nancy have never come to me and said, hey, I'm just not being fed. Right? Listen, take notes on your phone. Do whatever you do. I don't, my wife, had, she does it on her phone. I don't care. But see, listen, if, if you're not... If you're not putting the fork in the plate and putting the food in your mouth, it ain't my fault that you ain't getting fed. 
You can tweet that too. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage is the most significant of all relationships on planet Earth. Human relationships, that is. And so communication is vital. So quickly here, quickly here, I want to give you some do's and some don'ts for life Long marriage communication. Are you ready? Now, this, this, is, this is just, hey, I, I'm like Paul. Can't tell you what I haven't seen, felt, I've been through. I'm just trying to give you some stuff here that I learned the stupid way. I mean, the hard way. Yeah. Number one, do. Listen without interrupting. Or, if I say or. or. Correcting. Knock it off. Knock it off. Listen without interrupting or correcting. If your spouse gets a date wrong, if they get a place wrong, if they get a fact wrong, get over it. In the grand scheme of eternity, who cares if it was Monday or Tuesday? The fact that your spouse is trying to share their feelings is more important than if they got a date wrong. You need to give up the need to correct. If you want communication in any depth, just give it up. Give up the need to correct. Is it lemonade or oxygen? See, if you're thirsty and you're hot, you think you're going to die if you don't get a glass of lemonade. Are you going to die? No. No. But if you jump in the pool and somebody jumps on top of you and holds you under the water, are you going to die if you don't get some oxygen? Yes. Ask yourself in this moment in this conversation, when you feel the need to correct, is that lemonade or oxygen? If it's lemonade, you should have been on a fast anyway. Don't kill your marriage over something that is not that big a deal. Listen without interrupting. Number two, look for meaning behind what your spouse is saying. My wife walks into a big old walk-in closet. She looks in front at all the clothes, enough clothes to fill the used section of of women, the women's section at Goodwill. Clothes. And she says, were you there? was an idiot and I said what do you mean you don't have anything to wear you got enough clothes here to fill the women's section at Goodwill that didn't go very well for Dawn instead you know what I learned to do walk over to one of the things that I love that she puts on and wears and say I really love it when you wear this blouse gentlemen guess what what she was saying is nothing here makes me feel special Now she feels special, and I saved some money because she doesn't have to buy a new outfit. Wisdom is the ability to discern consequences, gentlemen. What's she saying? Too often we react to what is said before we know what is meant. Example, last week, I said the phrase, you always and you never. Terrible phrases. They're just not true. They express frustration. 
They express something that needs to be dealt with, but they're not true. Our spouse did not mean always and never. That's not what they meant. They're just trying to emphasize a point. They're trying to share something. And so a wise spouse would just try to listen to the meaning behind the words that seem offensive or exaggerated in a moment. And so they put the garbage bags in the bottom of the garbage can so they can put bags in there. When they take the garbage out, instead of hearing you never put a bag back in the garbage can. I know it's not true. Listen, words have meaning. Words have no meaning apart from interpretation. David Campbell would tell us, uh, as a Bible teacher, he would tell us all the time. He would say, there is no contradiction in the Scripture. The Scripture does not contradict itself. You ever heard that? Oh, you can't trust the Bible. It's full of contradictions. No, it does not. If you come across what you think is a contradiction in the Scripture, the contradiction is not with the Scripture, it's with your interpretation. Why is that not true in my conversation with my wife? Words have no meaning apart from interpretation. And, and, and when we get caught up in that, then we allow those words to do something they're not intended to do. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Beginning a sentence with you will almost always put your spouse on defense. How you begin a sentence or a conversation is going to set the tone for the rest of the discussion. Y'all better say amen. So be careful. Respect your, right, your, your spouse's right to be Different in their opinion. I'm, I'm just going to calm everybody down right here in this place right now. This is just, I'm just going to call everybody say calm down. Okay. Just calm down. What if having a different opinion doesn't mean one of you's right and one of you's wrong? What if it just means you have a different opinion? Right. Who cares who's right or wrong? If I'm more interested in always being right, I will never be in relationship. Yeah. Who cares? It's lemonade. Come on, somebody. Maybe you just have a different opinion. Now, if it's bad behavior, if it's sin, and if it's destruction, that's, that's not what we're talking about right now. So go out of here. Hello, somebody. That's a different sermon altogether. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. So I announced it so we might not have as many people here next week. <laughs> Let me give you some do nots real quick. We got about... Five or six minutes here. Do not lose your temper. Everybody got quiet. If your discussion becomes heated, back off. Back off. Cool down. What? Why would I want to raise my voice to this precious woman? Why? Why? What benefit does that do any of us? Come on. My wife will often know now, because it wasn't that way when we first got married. I was very explosive. Don didn't have a fuse. You know, you tell people, that guy's got a short fuse. No, 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 I didn't have one. It was boom. But when the Lord took that anger away from me and gave me the joy of the Lord, right? I, I submitted all of that to the Lord. And now my wife will tell you she knows when I'm upset because now I get quiet. My words are soft. I almost whisper. She'll come in and go, how was the meeting? Fine. 
Oh boy. Who ticked you off? Or if, I, if she comes in and goes, how's the meeting? I'm like, man, oh, God is moving, right? He's doing it. You are not going to believe. Don't lose your temper. I know that's easier said than done, but you can practice. Refuse to not talk. How about this? How about do not refuse to talk? I'm trying to, talking about communication here. I don't want you to get confused. The silent treatment is not of the Lord. God never puts you in a timeout. Why would you do that to your spouse? Why? Why? See, that's punishment. Who do you think you are that you get to punish your spouse? Who told you that was your job? Who told you that was your job? You don't get the right to punish them. The silent treatment is about that. God has never put me in a timeout. Why would I do that to Lisa? Now, should I, should I be careful about our conversation during chocolate week? Yes, but that's not timeout. That's Don saving his life. Do not play the blame game. Married people, who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter who was wrong or who was at fault. If your spouse has got a problem, you got a problem. Don't come in my office and go, they got issues. (laughs) So do you. You showed up with them. It's obvious you got issues too. Blame is never interested in resolution. It only expresses that you don't want to be part of the solution. Let me quote a very famous man. His name's Terry Smith. Little guy about this tall. Let me quote you this. I'm going to give you a quote. He's a famous guy. Little guy about this tall. He He says this. If you have a problem and you're not willing to be part of the solution, you will always have a problem. Blame fixes nothing. Blame still leaves you with a problem. He's a great philosopher. I'd put him right up there with Festus. Some of y'all go, Festus, some of you got it. You got, hey, you, are you tracking with me here? Rocky, you got me? Festus is the greatest philosopher that ever lived in life. He wrote a, he wrote a male Mule called Ruth. Greatest philosopher ever did live in the whole world. Three approaches to conflict. Come on up here, worship team. Here's three approaches to conflict. Now, they're need, they're, 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 one of them's right, and a couple of them will cause you to struggle. But here, here's, the, here's the way we often approach. We can approach it with compromise. Right? So compromise means that the solution to the disagreement means you're looking for common ground. That seems pretty good. Each person is going to have to give a little, but no one person is required to do all the sacrifice. Married people? See, compromise isn't about one spouse is willing and one spouse or winning and one spouse is losing. It's about the marriage winning. How about concession? It's one, it's, it's one approach to conflict. 
But let me tell you why concession isn't often the thing that fixes communication in marriage. Because it's made through pressure or coercion. And that kind of resolution will never last. Resolution always finds its permanence in free will serving. That is so deep. I don't know who wrote that, but man, that's, somebody needs to write a book. Resolution always finds its permanence in free will serving, not in concession. One of the worst ones you can do to try to resolve conflict is to can it. Just put, not dealing with it. Seal it up, let's bury it. Sometimes when you have an irreconcilable disagreement, you need to put it on the shelf for a bit. That's okay. Before you ever get to this place, though the first two approaches, I think they have to be exhausted. And if you ever get to this place where you need to put something on the shelf, my advice is that you need to be doing it with mentors and counselors in your life. Because you're not healthy enough or strong enough to deal with that at this moment. What are we healthy and strong enough to deal with? That's a a total different thing. You You don't have permission by yourself to just can something. See, once you've learned to work on small areas of conflict in your marriage, you can come back to the things you had to put on the shelf. Why? Because there's a mentor or a counselor in your life It's not going to let you sweep things under the rug. I, I love you. And I just want to say this to every one of us, especially if your marriage is in a place where you're like, oh, we've got to do some work here. Your marriage didn't get where it's at overnight. And it's not going to get where you want it to be overnight. Somebody say amen. We can't fix everything at once, but every little thing you do, every little thing you resolve is a big step in the right direction. Somebody say amen. I love steak, but I can't eat a whole steak in one bite. I eat that thing one bite at a time. I love my wife. I adore her. You got to know that. She's full of spit and vinegar, and man, I'm telling you, this week, whoo, we didn't... We didn't communicate very well. And I was like, Lord, I just wrote a sermon on communication. Yeah. I'm gonna, can, Doug's going to preach this week. So I'm not preaching that sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I love her. I love but just Man, you know when something's got vinegar on it, you, you usually take small bites. Got to just go small. And so, hey, I'm not losing everything. I'm not losing my sanity over this. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Hello, somebody. You pastors are just trying to be real with you. Amen? We're just trying to be real with you. You can't eat a whole steak at once. You do it bite by bite. And that's how you maximize your marriage. Bite-sized bites. So good, isn't it? Stop looking for perfection in your marriage. Stop it. Just stop it. Start looking for improvement. Stand with me. When you see improvement in your marriage, compliment it. I loved that. Thank you for that. That was amazing. 
I've been waiting for that. I'm so, I'm so grateful for you, and, and I see improvement. I know, I know we didn't have a good week this week. I know there was a lot of stress. I know there was a lot of stupid happening. I know you didn't sleep very well. Come on, somebody, because of all the things that are going on, and I know you're tired and exhausted. Listen, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just the effort to improve in any area is worth genuine praise. I appreciate that. All decisions in your marriage should reflect a clear and honest communication. Mutual agreement is incredible about anything that's important. God has given you a spouse that has strengths where you have weaknesses. So if both of you don't agree on a decision, it's a sign that maybe you need to wait for the Lord. Father, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for my friends. God, we admit that communication is probably the hardest thing in marriage. Lord, we do all kinds of other things in marriage. But we have to confess that sometimes this is the hardest thing. We help my friends, Lord. We help our church grow. As we take these words in this sermon today, maybe it's not the barn burner that... You know, spirit-filled people want or those, but God is so foundational. And who are we without foundation? Do you use it for your glory and your honor? I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give the God praise. Come on, give the God you serve praise. Turn around and tell your spouse, words have power.